Abdusan Airport Authority, what, what, are the, what are the steps that needs to be taken in that regard? Excellent question. So the question is, is what would it take to establish a uh, airport authority? First and foremost, we need to uh, pry ownership out of the hands of the County of Lethbridge. Now, their primary concern, I've, again, I've talked to Chief Administrative Officer. Uh, he's an accountant, so uh, sorry, apologies to accountants in the room. But he, he's, all, he's all about the asset. So he goes, well, why would we give up control of this valuable asset? Well, as they pointed out to him, the asset isn't going anywhere. It's going to stay put right where it is for now and forever. But what they would still be able to do is, in the event of an airport authority, be able to continue to collect taxes from the property that's there. But what it would do is relieve them of the need to maintain the facility, to try and find funding. Right now, the city and the county are engaged in studies number 13 and 14, I believe, from over the past 20 years. And again, their whole focus has always been about handouts. What government can we solicit from today? And that's a very poor business model. And um, at the end of the day, you can only control your costs so much. At some point in time, you have to build revenue. And so that would be my pitch to the county, is to saying, the reason you should give up ownership of the airport is to relieve yourself of the responsibility for owning it and maintaining it and actually receive greater revenue than you are now. So that's the first step, prying ownership out of the hands of the county. Hi, Dale. My name is Henning Mundell. My question concerns your passenger ratio, if you don't mind maybe elaborating a bit. Sure. Because uh, if I fly once a month, i.e. 12 flights in a year, would you have me as a passenger? Because it looks like the passenger numbers, I would be counted 12 times. But in the, in the ratio, really how many people are using the facility, it would be just one. Yes. Yes, that's a very good point. So the thing is, is what airlines carry about is the old expression is bums in seats. So however many people you can get on the plane that pay for a ticket, that's what counts. It's not as important so much as how many people, but how many total flights are taken. Um, and that's what keeps an airline alive, is keeping people flying. Now, you obviously, you're going to have some people that might fly once every 10 years, if at all. And you've got other people that probably fly once a month as part of their work and their business. And uh, government officials seem particularly fond of that. So what you have to do is those numbers are just based on the number of people getting on and off airplanes at the airport. Um, and, and that's the only number that we really have. In gross numbers, um, we have about 35 million people a year catching airplanes in Canada. So it roughly equates to about one person uh, per year um, on average, and those numbers are also in line with the United States, which are about 330, 340 million flights a year. So you can see that our 62,000 out of, a, again, a market area, or even just, just the Lethbridge, city of Lethbridge population itself of 100,000, you know, we're, we're a fraction of what the number of other um, airports are. And again, we think we know pretty well what's happening. People are going elsewhere to catch their flights. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Lawrence Hoy, and I, if I might extend your dark humor, I think your comments are dead on. <laughs> That's um, a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm kind of curious as, I don't know whether you know this or not, but do you have any idea as to how much it costs to run the airport as it's currently configured? 
I have reams of data on that, and I apologize for not having it at my fingertips. I could grab my portfolio there, but yes, I do have um, all kinds of figures that show the operating costs, how much the subsidies are. The city of, uh, city of Lethbridge rather, uh, actually contributes to the operation of the airport. The airport's sole mandate is to not lose money. So they have no, uh, their reason for existence is not to grow, not to provide service, anything. It's just to not lose money. So that's not a very, um, not a very progressive model. So the city of Lethbridge helps to subsidize the cost of operating the airport, but technically they have very little say in its operation. Um, there are other issues, uh, things like custom services, that the city is paying, uh, Canada Border Services Agency, I think it's, I might be wrong, it's 350,000 a year or something, I have to double check my numbers, but basically uh, we're paying for border services so that customs officers are there whenever you have flights. Um, but I know from talking to uh, the former uh, CFO from Integra Air, they wanted to start a flight from Lethbridge to Kalispell in the summers. And Border Services says, well, that's great. You can go there, but you can't come back from there. You've got to come through Calgary. So they go, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So there's some question as to whether or not we're actually getting value for our money from Border Services. Uh, I mean, great folks, but you know, they're, they're, they're challenged the same as any organization to control their costs. So, so this is the, there's a lot of issues. There's no one issue here, but first and foremost, um, what we're missing is a vision and leadership. Um, that's where it needs to start. Yes, sir. Art, uh, Art Sanford, uh, Dale, Art. You're, you're dead on on your comments. Um, uh, it, what seems to be lacking is a proper business plan. Mm -hmm. uh, I might mention, I was an alderman at the time that switchover was made. Oh, great. And we were never offered the, we, were, we had a kind of a, a, a question, you might be offered it, and then immediately they said, no, wait a minute, it's going to the municipality. Right. The county mm -hmm. came to us and asked us to be a 50-50 pass uh, partner, which okay. we turned down ah. because we had the personnel and the equipment, they had nothing. Right. We didn't see it being equal partnerships, so that's when we backed out. Okay. Now, just a couple other quick comments. At that time, my understanding was the federal government retained ownership of all those airports. I've never seen the ownership actually changed over. They, the county has carte blanche to run it, but I think the ownership, I, I've never seen it change from the federal government, and the feds are still putting money in. Uh, my son, by the way, is uh, with Nav Canada, and he just put a new instrument landing system in there two years ago, Okay. and he probably started in the airport about the same time you did. Right, right, but, right. Um, the questions I have is there's two, who really owns the airport? And number two, my understanding is you can't land 737 jets on that airport on a scheduled basis because the runways aren't 7,500 feet long. There's a short runway. Mm. Well, I can certainly address those points. Um, first of all, uh, I can tell you in terms of ownership of the airport, the uh, Chief Administrative Officer for the County of Lethbridge, Rick Robinson, has made it patently clear the county owns the airport. They actually received, again, about $2.3 million to accept ownership, and that was intended to offset the operating deficit. Um, so I'm pretty sure they own the airport. I know of other examples, so for example, the Victoria's Airport Authority. Um, they have ownership of the airport. Um, so yeah, there are actually a number of examples. Um, and then as well, if you remember the city center municipal airport in Edmonton, that was municipally owned airport. So, so, so municipalities can and do and have owned airports. Um, NAV Canada, of course, used to be a government or organization and I worked for them, but they were basically split off from Transport Canada, again, for the same reason Transport Canada wanted to get rid of airports. They couldn't keep up to the pace of change in the aviation industry. And so they needed to make it a separate not-for-profit corporation. 
Um, what was your, uh, I think you made another point the there. The question was on the, the length of the runway oh. count here. They don't qualify for scheduled uh, jet service. No, that's, I, I regret to disagree, but that's not the case whatsoever. So for example, city center and airport, a city center um, airport in Edmonton has 6,000 foot runway and they ran, ran sked 737s in and out of there all the day. Um, the question of what's the largest type of aircraft that you can land and operate here, it's a function of several things. Uh, things such as uh, weather, obviously runway length, but also load. So we've seen C-141s in here. Um, if you can land and take off once, you can land and take off 100 times. So as long as the runway can bear the weight and you've got enough fuel to get to your destination, you can operate any, any, any class of aircraft that you want out of, out of here. And the thing is, is Lethbridge is a IFR alternate. So what that means is if we've got flights flying mm -hmm. from Toronto to Calgary or so forth, um, they cite Lethbridge as their alternate. So if they fly all the way across Canada to get to Al Calgary and find out they can't land for some reason, they come and land here. And there's been situations I've seen where Calgary's got fogged in and the runway, runway um, uh, 1230, has been lined with Airbuses and 737s and DC-9s and everything like that. So, yeah, no, there's nothing stopping us from running the, the, the traffic. We just had the passengers. Yeah, my only understanding was that if they want to land on a runway shorter than 7,500, they had to pay extra on insurance, the airlines, on scheduled service. Yeah. That seemed where the difference was. Y you never know. That's entirely possible. Again, I worked in Yellowknife for 10 years, and we had a 6,500-foot runway, and we had about 18 737s a day in and out of there. So it's done. It's done. Yes, sir. Trevor Page, uh, I much appreciated your, your presentation. Thank you. And most of your vision, but I got a little confused okay. towards the end. Yeah, we got a bit short of time. And <laughs> I understand that you are advocating an independent airport authority. Yes, sir. Great. Okay. You've indicated that step one is to get it away from the county. Yes, sir. My understanding from just chatting with the mayor and the reeve is the price that the county is asking at the right. moment. But then I understood from your slides that you were recommending that a whole bunch of other city councils or in southern Alberta club together. Yes. Isn't yes. that going to compound the situation? And isn't that in conflict with an independent airport authority? So my question is, you answered uh, step one, mm -hmm. get it away from the county. What right. is step two? Correct. To so get an independent mm -hmm. airport authority to run it. Correct. Okay, so certainly what I'm putting forth is that we have to change the way that we're doing business. It's clear the way that we're doing things now isn't working. So getting, uh, getting the uh, control of the airport out of the county hands is step one. Now, does it have to be purchased? or can some other arrangements be negotiated? Can we make it more palatable? Can we bring in other communities and bring them in as cost-sharing partners? If you do that, certainly then they need to have a say in the operation of the airport. It doesn't mean that they necessarily have to uh, select and appoint the, uh, the governance committee, which is the current situation, but they could certainly be invited to have their recommendations and you could in fact elect those representatives. I can give you an example, for example, uh, an example of Victoria Airport Authority. 
where they have a selection of, um, of, of directors based um, on, on different backgrounds. So for example, they have business people, they have people from government, they have people from um, airlines, they have people from unions, they have community people. So what they do is they have a broad um, board that exists for the specific purpose of making sure the airport meets the needs of the community. As far as the airport management is concerned and the uh, promotion of marketing the airport, that's given over to professionals. And that's, um, again, that, that layer is missing from our present situation. It's nobody's job out there to go and drum up business. And that's the problem. Um, we've got some examples right now. In the last 20 years, there has been one private hangar built. And the reason being is the guy that did it had sufficient time and money and crawled across broken glass to push it through. Meanwhile, hangars are being built in Pincher Creek, Cardston, uh, uh, Tabor, Vulcan, High River, where people, are uh, private pilots, are building hangars there because they, they won't let them build on the airport here. They, um, they've also built about four different private airfields around the city of Lethbridge. And it's even created a safety problem because these are small airplanes. They don't have a control tower here. They can depart at any time and just make a broadcast on a local mandatory frequency, regardless of what air traffic is in the present is in the area right now. So, so it's actually starting to create a bit of a hazardous situation. And I've spoken again to the chief administrative officer for the county of Lethbridge, and I've told talked to him about the problem that we've got, for example, flying schools. We've got a helicopter school. Couldn't set up in Lethbridge. They're in Mountain View. Well, that's a loss of jobs. We've got people that are assembling aircraft, maintaining aircraft, repairing aircraft in Cardston. Couldn't do it here if they wanted to. There's no hangar space. So we're chasing jobs away. Um, because one guy that works for the county figures it's not in his interest, you know? So it's just, the situation's unacceptable. Does that mean we need to bring political pressure to bear? Maybe, you know, but I think that's the thing we need to do is raise support from communities all across southern Alberta and get some buy-in and get people saying, look, you know, it's not the county's airport, it's all of our airport. And um, yeah, it, it starts with that, you know. Again, I don't have all the answers. I'm just saying, look, here's a problem, here's a potential solution. It's worked in other locations. Could it work for us? My name's uh, Bill Yates. Uh, we live in Lethbridge here on, on the south side. Yes, sir. <coughs> Very interesting presentation. Thank, Thank you. you. I just wanted to ask a question about noise. Yes. One of the questions that you responded to, you elaborated on the size of aircraft that could come in, which mm -hmm. are up to fairly big. We, and uh, and um, I'm sure everyone here flies to some extent, but we all spend a lot more time on the ground. Yes. And if I'm, I'm wondering what what you mean by an international airport, if that's gonna mean a change to the frequency and like if, if things go in the positive direction you're talking about in terms yes. of business opportunities and that sort of thing and convenience for travel, if there's a lot more of it and it is international, what yes. does that mean in terms of, well, I guess just sort of quality of life in the city? Sure. That is an excellent question. And um, you know, it is an interesting situation. I mean, of course the airport has been there for a very, very long time. And at various times throughout its history, it's certainly seen a large variety of type of aircraft. Um, the noise issue is something that confronts communities everywhere. And so over the years, the aircraft manufacturers have been tasked to build quieter aircraft. 
and in fact, I would suggest you probably don't notice a lot of the traffic that's actually landing and taking off there because they're of new generation aircraft. Um, so an increase in traffic does not necessarily equate to a disruption of lifestyle. Aside from um, dictating what types of aircraft may operate at what times of day, something that are called noise abatement procedures, they can also have departure paths and routes and stuff like that that aircraft have to follow to avoid flight over built up areas. So there's a number of measures that they could take which would not create the same proportion of disruption as the increase in the growth of traffic. So obviously on balance, if you take into account all the various factors, you want to be um, left with a net benefit. The other thing that I think you might be more aware of than others are probably some of the military aircraft that come in here at train. And I understand there was an incident about six months ago where a few came over from Moose Jaw and chewed up the airport one night. Um, the problem with that is the military don't have to follow the same rules as everybody else. Um, but again, that's more the exception of the norm. Again, most of the traffic that you would see coming in out of here, even of an international nature, um, are much quieter, much more fuel efficient. Again, the new uh, 787 Dreamliner, it's got noise abatement um, equipment built right into the engines. Um, not as disruptive as they have been in the past, but that's, a, that's an excellent point, and that has to be taken into account. It has to be a net benefit to the majority of people. Terry Shillington, thank you, Dale, for an uh, interesting presentation on an interesting subject. And if I can slip this past Austin, I'd like to ask uh, twofold, uh, uh, two questions that are, uh, belong together. Uh, <coughs> one is, if you answered Trevor Page's uh, question, I didn't hear it. Okay. He was asking, what was step two? Okay. And uh, to, to rephrase it in different words, right. if the county doesn't own it, do you see the city owning it? Or who, who is to be the owner of the airport, and yes. secondly, a related question, what kind of investment would you see needing, what, uh, how big an investment would you see needing to be made in, in, um, in buildings and runways and so mm -hmm. on? What kind of investment are we talking about to, to pursue this vision? Excellent question, thank you very much. So and first, uh, first of all, I'm sorry for being a bit vague on it. So the ownership of the airport would transfer to the airport authority itself. So the, author the authority would be its own body and that would give it the opportunity to engage in its own uh, financing both out of cash flow, which includes things like rents, fees, services and so forth, but also it would allow it to enter into long-term debt just as if you were building any other sort of major infrastructure project. So um, in terms of the, the actual dollars that are needed, these things can run into the hundreds of millions of dollars, but the thing is, is you also amortize that over 30, 40, 50 years. So you could issue, for example, a, um, a tax-exempt bond, which would allow uh, members of the community, pension plans and so forth, um, the opportunity to take ownership or, or at least hold debt in the airport. Um, and right now, actually, airports are in hot demand. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, corporate investors, pension funds, mutual funds and stuff that want to put money into these things because um, when they're properly managed, they just don't fail. Um, if I may clarify, mm -hmm. so you say the independent authority would own the airport. Correct. But who stands beside behind that? Is that a private investor or is it the city? Or wh wh who is the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, they are, their, they are their own entity. So they are a legal entity, just like a corporation. The only difference is, is they would be like Nav Canada, which is an independent operating authority. So it owns infrastructure and assets. It's mandated to provide the air navigation system 
across Canada, so it's no longer held by government. So assets were transferred to them for their management control. Again, they undertook their own uh, debt issuance, they collect revenues, and they basically operated as a trust. So it's a, a not-for-profit corporation. Maybe that's the best way to summarize it. Mm -hmm. Lyle, Bob Jones, thanks very much for your presentation. Thank you, Bob. Can I ask you a question that you can choose to answer or not to answer as you <laughs> see fit? Uh, you s talked about uh, people going to, to uh, Great Falls to fly mm -hmm. and that there are two airlines that operate out of Lethbridge. Yes. Uh, one's Georgian Airlines, which is a subsidiary of Air Canada, and the other one's Integra. Yes. In the time that I've been in Lethbridge, I've seen a couple of other airlines try to start flying out of Lethbridge, but they've been forced out of business. Ah, good question. Um, is it detrimental to the development of an airport for basically one airline to have uh, a monopoly? I think it clearly is, and I think we're seeing the effects of that today. Now, you're quite right. We've seen some instances where some people have gone out and tried to start competing air services, and it's really disheartening because, you know, uh, people put money, time, effort, and reputation into trying to develop alternatives. And so we saw a situation where that airline that you mentioned in particular, uh, the Air Canada Division, flies head-to-head. -head. I mean, they've got a big network, they've got a lot of assets, and they're not used to losing. So we did see a situation where they, quite frankly, engaged in predatory pricing and forced competitors out. And, you know, th 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 that's a violation. I'm not a lawyer here, I better be careful what you say. Anyway, there is something called the Competition Act. And, you know, there can be appeals made, but, you know, they're kind of a, they're kind of a lame entity, uh, the Competition Tribunal. But, again, if you had an airport authority, that also gives you some uh, ability to start dictating the rules. And so, um, I think this will give you more control over the situation right now. So, right now, Air Canada is pretty much able to have its way with Lethbridge. And, um, and it shows. Uh, Trevor Page. Uh, recently, WestJet expanded its regional service. Yes. And Lethbridge expressed a hope that it would include uh, Lethbridge mm -hmm. in the expansion, but it didn't happen. Right. And I wonder if you know why it didn't happen and could tell us. Well, I can only speculate. Um, but I do know that airlines are in business to make money. So if there's a, a dollar to be made, they'd be silly not to, right? One of the things that an airline needs to do before it engages in the investment and expense and everything to setting up a specific service is a reasonable expectation of making a profit. That depends on having data. Now, uh, a few months back, I was at an airports committee meeting where a consultant, LPS Avia from Ottawa, uh, who has been hired again for, I think, study number 13, and they were tasked with collecting some kind of data um, about Lethbridge Air Service and demands. Um, what they came up with was a study that was, quite frankly, very poorly constructed. It had all sorts of selection bias. They had an online survey where you could go in and fill out the survey as many times as you wanted if you had enough email addresses. I happen to have a lot. Um, so it was by no means an objective study. But if you're an airline, you need good, solid, objective data. But the, the chap from LPS sitting right there in the uh, Lethbridge Airport Committee meeting said, well, we don't know how to get consumer data. Well, 
sorry, but right then and there, I'm sorry, you just disqualified yourself, in my opinion. So data, 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 data. Um, data is available, it can be done by primary survey, it can be purchased from airlines, it can be purchased from travel agencies. There are lots of ways to get data. We know the big number, on average, one person flies per year, regardless of who it is or so forth, but if you average it out, there are 100,000 people from Lethbridge flying somewhere. Which goes back to your point about the county councillors are really more involved in other things, and it's not to the front of mind. That's correct. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Excellent. Hey, this is uh, David Osseen. Yes, David. I guess um, I listened to your uh, uh, talk, I guess, and I'm curious because um, when you talk about the uh, airport, you talk about the whole land, which is about two sections of land. Right. So within that land, there's a lot of land is not used at right. that time. And you're suggesting that uh, somebody's going to develop it. So if you're really concerned about the air service, then the runways, the terminal, the, uh, the old fire uh, house, and um, uh, maintenance building. And they have, um, at that time, they t took uh, from the federal government, they, the deal they made at that time, you were saying about two $2 million or something. 2.3 or something. I like thought that. it was about, about, doesn't matter what it was, but uh, the money that uh, was uh, in the uh, negotia negotiation, they, um, that took about 10 years to go through that money. And now you said the city was paying for it. Well, I think they're paying 80% and the county is paying. Uh, but if you form a uh, authority, the owner, which is the county, would be giving the power to the authority to make right. all the decisions that you're saying. Yes. But then you have the means to send any shortfall to probably the owner. Right, right. So then you say, okay, you're going to de develop things. And it's not normal that uh, if you owner gives all that value to some authority, then they're going to build things and they get re revenue. The county doesn't get anything. Why, if they're just concerned about the airport itself, then if you, if you subdivided the airport itself with the runways and the terminal and everything, mm -hmm. then you could still run it as an, an authority. Right, well, you know, something to consider is this. If we're up to the county of Lethbridge, they would just pile it all under and turn it into an industrial park. Seriously, I'm not. I'm not making it up. That would actually be their preference. They have no particular passion or affinity for the airport whatsoever. As far as they're concerned, it's more of a pain than a benefit. Now, what I'm suggesting is, is that you can only do so much to manage costs. At some point in time, you need to drive revenues, and the county and the airport committee are not equipped for that task. They aren't, they, they, they don't run it like a business. So as a result, you don't get the type of resources at play. Now, the county would actually benefit because the airport would still remain within the county and it would still be entitled to collect property taxes. So the benefit of developing some additional aviation businesses there would in fact be an increase in revenues to the county as well. So right now, 
what you've got is dead capital. They aren't doing anything with it, and the county looks at this land and going, hmm, we don't have enough money to pay for roads. What if we just, you know, put in, in some more industrial businesses and so forth? So, quite frankly, that's probably what's going to happen. My vision for being here today is to try and arrest that decline and keep it as a primarily aviation-related facility. But I would say that uh, all the uh, airports you had before in history, that all land was uh, turned into the to the city. Mm -hmm. There was never they did what they wanted with it, right? Industrial. Right, right, right. Well, as I say, we're in a situation where we need to start thinking of doing things differently. Again, my mission is to make the Lethbridge Airport great again. Oh, next, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> next question, please. Mark Gettle is my name. Yes, sir. I just got a, a text from my son-in-law who owns the uh, funeral home there, and it, it is owned by the county, and he pays lease to the county. Absolutely. So, yeah. But my question is, and I'm wondering, do you have statistics, for instance, the number of landings and takeoffs? The airport is essential for the county because all the spray planes spraying mm -hmm. all the potato fields and the canola fields, everything mm -hmm. in the county are mm -hmm. from the airport. Right. And so do you have statistics on the number of landings and the proportion that would be the crop dusters, uh, pleasure craft, commercial aircraft, and medevacs, for instance? I can get them. Uh, the airport collects those statistics. Um, they might not be broken down to the specific exact aircraft type. I mean, they break them down by um, either IFR, VFR operation, commercial, private, light, medium, heavy, and so forth. You can make some pretty good conclusions, but you know, if you went and talked to the airspray people, you could find out how many flights and so forth they're doing. One thing actually about those particular types of aircraft, they can operate off unimproved runways as well. But it makes sense to have all your aviation activity at an airport. There's um, efficiencies to be maintained, your services, your fuel, you know, weather, flight planning and so forth. Hi. Hi. This Beth will, this will be the last question. Bevement Latherstone, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I flew in the 1980s, 1981 actually, okay. up to Edmonton to the municipal airport, and then I uh, flew up on Tuesday and back on Thursday. And I wouldn't be able to do it now because of the closure of the municipal airport. Right. Anyway, my question is, um, what can we do? Are you going to put forth a proposal? Are you going to do something? And what do you want the audience here to do or to know about mm -hmm. to um, help you towards your plan? Well, thank you very much for that. So the question is, is what can you folks here today do to help? Well, um, how about some of the basics? Uh, write the Herald. Write letters of support indicating that we need to do something to save our airport. Write your elected representatives um, municipally and happen to be in the county. I myself am going to outreach to all the other communities in southern Alberta and just garner some interest from them and see what enthusiasm they may have for supporting an independent airport authority. And um, just keep the discussion alive because, like I say, if we lose it, we'll never get it back again. They'll never build another airport here. And it will be a, a constraint on the growth uh, of the city and the quality of life here. So that would be what I really just ask if any of you care to do and have the time and interest is to lobby your elected officials and, uh, and share it with your friends and neighbors and uh, write letters. So. Would the audience like to express its thanks to uh, our speaker, Dale? <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Thank you.